0: He said ah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he said
1: hey. All right, we're good, we're good. <laughs> we're good.
2: <laughs> Wait, can you can you move closer and yeah. tell us what and tell us what he said? <laughs> he said. <"Hey." laughs> All right. What a start to episode number two of Bleeding Blue. Coming back on a Monday. Maybe Monday will be our upload dates. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But first off, introducing once again, Bokra and Renato. We'll start
0: off with you, Bokra. How are you? I am feeling good. My voice is back to normal. A little sore from this past weekend, you know, camping. But uh, other than that, I'm uh, doing great. You know, feeling good about the Yankees. You know, life's good. There you go. There you go. Renata. how are you? I'm, I'm okay. I was feeling very, very confident
1: up until Top Frazier hit their home run. I mean, uh, All right.
2: Yeah, so we're, we're recording this right now. It's the bottom of the seventh inning. Third game. Yanks are going for a sweep against the Mets. Because they suck. Because the Mets stink. We'll talk about how we feel sorry, Beth, for the Mets. But I'm doing great. But without further ado, play that intro. So for our housekeeping items, follow me on Twitter at jpenic74. I only had one new Twitter follower this week from people that listen to the podcast. So we got to get that up.
1: Follow Um, the man. Come on. Follow him. Let's go.
2: Follow, follow, follow at jpenic74. Let me know what you think of the podcast. I had a lot of great reactions from some friends and some family on Facebook and Instagram and also through some text messages. But let me know what you think on Twitter. I want to, you know, talk some sports and talk whatever (laughs) on Twitter. Oh, also, create a, create a SoundCloud account, follow the podcast, like the podcast, listen to it 10 times. Listen. I don't care. But create that account, give us a like, give us a follow, whatever the terminology on SoundCloud is, and that would be really helpful. That would be really appreciated. Also, don't forget to tell your friends. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Yeah, we almost had 30 plays. For the first episode, we really do appreciate that thirty plays. Uh, I certainly let's didn't double think that. The numbers. Double. Uh, yeah, I would like that. Let's let's double that. Let's. I, I would at least like to get to thirty for the second episode. But why not aim for sixty? Especially if you can create that SoundCloud account, follow us, give us a like. Maybe it'll come up on more people's feeds. I don't know how SoundCloud works. I'm still pretty brand new to it. But the more attention in terms of likes and follows it can get, the better and hopefully the more that we can grow. So I want to thank everybody for that. I want to thank everybody that tuned into the live stream. Renato, myself, and one of Renato's friends, Brett, we were reacting live to uh, what was a pretty boring 13-inning Yankee game up until the end, but very exciting ending with... An all-rise kid, which I have nicknamed him to be.
1: All-rise.
2: Oh. Yeah. All right. So we'll just we'll tell this story. This is how we'll start off. We'll start off with a, a nice, heartwarming, loving story. So there was this kid, and, and a lot of you who probably either saw my live stream or even just watched that game in general, the Yes coverage, Ryan Rucco, and Ken Singleton, they were all over this story throughout the entire game. The All Rise kid catches an Aaron Judge batting practice home run. Mind you, this kid is sitting the second deck of deep center field and he catches an Aaron Judge home run, uh, batting practice home run. No big deal, right? I guess Aaron Judge does that everywhere he goes. He hits 450 foot bombs like it's waking up in the morning. Right. That, was a bad, that was a bad simile. Um,
0: <laughs> I was going to say, like tomato soup. But no, <laughs> <games. laughs>
2: so, so Aaron Judge makes these things look easy. He does these things on a regular routine. Um tomato soup. I'm sorry. So all rise kid. Every single Aaron Judge at bat, he holds up this, he has he's holding up this all-rise sign, standing up, and nothing's happening for 13 innings, n- nothing happens. And there comes a point where they're showing this kid throughout the entire night, and I'm thinking to myself, and I mentioned this on the live stream, and I mentioned this, if the Yankees lose this game and they don't score a single run against the Blue Jays, this kid is going to grow up. He's going to become a Red Sox fan. He's not going to be a Yankees fan anymore. And he's going to say, you know what? I went to a Yankee game. I stood up for seven hours, and they didn't score a single damn run. I hate the Yankees. I will forever hate the Yankees.
1: Yeah. I mean, I would have done that,
2: but that didn't happen. And in the top of the 13th inning, Aaron judge hits a two run home run. And the reaction that this kid had, it was just pure joy. And like I said, the yes network and the yes coverage was all over it. It was just such a memorable moment. And what we said on the live stream is that this kid is now a Yankee fan for life. It was awesome.
0: It kind of reminds me of uh, last year. If you guys remember last year, there was a very young Yankee fan in the outfield with his father, and it was his first Yankee game, and he came to see Aaron Judge hit a home run. And Aaron Judge hit a home run, and this kid got up on his dad's shoulders with his sign, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of that last year. You guys want to hear a story? No. No but are you going to say it anyway?
1: <laughs> if, you, if you say no, then I don't think I'm going to say the story, but, but I'll let the host decide this one.
2: <laughs> Let's hear the story.
1: All right. So my third Yankee game, 2009, and we all know what happened in 2009, right? A lot right. of comeback victories. A lot of comeback victories. World Series championship. And a World Series championship, right? So, of course, my first game, Yankee Stadium. I, I didn't go to the old Yankee Stadium. No Broker will argue about the days and weeks about how great it is, but when i was not doing that today. Um But my first game, I'm, I was so excited to be there. And then the game was exciting. I mean, we had a comeback. We, we were down tied in the ninth. And then extra innings comes along. I hear inter Sandman, the 10th, I believe it was. And then Johnny Damon walks it off to the section next to me. I'm like, ah, oh, this is my team. This is my team right there.
2: So that was basically your the moment where you said, like, I'm in love with the New York Yankees. I'm in love with this team. And then you were just...
1: Right. Like yeah, fun, I always loved like, the game, love. I was never, like, I never got to see a game live. So that's just, like, that got me to where I am now. Like, I want to go to a lot of these games.
2: Yeah, that's awesome. Um, 2007, I don't, I can't exactly pinpoint, and I'm not even sure if I even had, you know, one of those moments yet with the the Yankees, where I'm like, oh, this is where this is how I've known that I fall in love with this team. Because I've always liked the Yankees. Um, because of my grandfather, I actually would I actually would say if they're I can't maybe pinpoint an exact moment, but a player that once I really got into the Yankees, it was Gary Sanchez, and that that month of August he had in 2015. Oh, that, that month that he had what, what did he what did he hit he, he had a hit over like he had to hit somewhere around like 15 home runs, right?
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was insane.
2: It, it was somewhere around that. Night. And like a, and in like a <laughs> month and a half, he hit like 21 home runs. It was nuts. Nuts was what insane. he did. Nuts what he did basically the first month and a half, two months of his Major League Baseball career. I miss
1: that Sanchez.
2: <laughs> He's coming back. He's coming back. But the New York football Giants, who, which is my other passion in life. Um, yeah, Boker, Boker's wearing a cowboy shirt right now. The fr- he, walks, he walks in here wearing a cowboy shirt to a Bleeding Blue podcast, which, is about, which, is, which will be about, eventually, the New York football Giants and the Evil Empire.
0: Hey, my shirt's blue. Does that count?
2: No, not that kind of Bleeding Blue.
0: Uh-huh.
2: But Week 17, 2007, Giants versus Patriots. That game, 38-35, Eli Manning driving down the field against the undefeated New England Patriots, throws a pick. 10 end the game but that football game is still the I've been to over maybe 60 70 somewhere around 60 to 70 football games since 2007 and that game is still the best football game that I've ever been to um, just the what was on the line in terms of the Patriots and the fact that there was nothing on the line for the Giants that game since they already clinched their playoff berth the week before against the Buffalo against the Buffalo Bills and just the heart, the intensity that that game was played with the level of play that happened in that game. And then also witnessing history because you're seeing the first undefeated regular season with the team going 16-0, not counting the Miami Dolphins who played a shorter season. And then also seeing what started a Super Bowl run with the New York Football Giants. I remember being there as a kid. And even though we lost, even as a kid, I kind of like had this perspective that, I love this team now, love the team, love the team. That was a great football game. I'm going to remember that forever. So that was that was something that I really, really enjoyed. So feeling similar to that all-rise kid and that moment of joy that we felt with sports this week, especially if you watched that game and if you were watching it live, um, I feel like it's something that a lot of us sports fans, we kind of – go to and we can pinpoint with our favorite teams. So I thought that was something we can start off and talk about. Do you want to share? Do you have a story to share, Michael?
0: Yes. Um. So my first Yankee game was in the Cathedral of Baseball in Yankee Stadium. Not, not this replica, you know, Yankee Stadium. In another episode, I will go on a little bit of a rant on Yankee Stadium. But as of right now, we'll tell you about my first Yankee game. Uh, my first Yankee game, I sat two rows behind the Yankee dugout, and it was 2005 or 2004, I believe, and John Olerud, my boy John Olerud, was up at bat, and he swung at the pitch. The bat left his hand, flew into the seats, and hit my aunt right in the shoulder. I remember telling my Poor grandma at the time to record this Yankee game because I was going to be on TV. And lo and behold, I was on TV, (laughs) ducking for cover because this bat was flying at my face. I thought my life was going to be taken away. But all in all, that was my first Yankee game, and I'll never forget that moment. Was your aunt okay? She was all right. The guy in front of her actually got hit in the head by the bat, and the bat swung around and hit her in the shoulder. Anybody get to keep the bat? Big guy in front because he got hit in the head. There you go. Lucky guy.
2: All right. So I thought that was a nice way to start off. Heartwarming, fun campfire stories.
1: <laughs> Let's gather around the campfire.
2: <laughs> so now I'm going to read some tweets from great friends of the podcast who we've never met, um, Katie Sharp and John Boy.
1: Ooh, okay. All
2: right. On Twitter. All right. All right, so basically the whole point of me reading these things is the Yankees are fun and the Yankees are good. I feel like if there's one thing that's changed from, I don't know, last week that we recorded this podcast, really nothing much has changed besides the fact that there's been good baseball played and there's been fun baseball played and it's been fun to watch and it. it's been fun to see, it's been fun to be a part of, everything's fun. Fun in Yankee Land. It's fun in Yankee Land, and in the words of Greg Bird, it's fun, and I like that. So, best <clears throat> record. This is a uh, at well, not at Katie Sharp. It's at KT Sharp, KT, not K, not K A T I E, KT Sharp on Twitter. Good people, good people to follow. I follow good people on Twitter. You should follow them too. Best record versus. Over 500 teams entering Thursday. So this, is, this was entering Thursday. We are recording this on Sunday night. It's actually still the same because the Mets aren't over 500. So this is still the same up to release date. Yankees, 16-6 and six against over 500 teams. That's pretty good. That's, pretty good. That's over a 72% win, winning percentage. Mm. The record of the Yankees when they're in a game that is tied at the start of the eighth inning. You want to guess, Renato? Like, guess a winning percentage. Don't guess, like, how. Don't, guess the, win. don't guess the winning and the. Don't guess the win loss record. Guess the winning percentage of. 1.
1: 000, whatever. 100%. Well, 2018,
2: the winning. Guess, guess, like, the winning percentage of the 2018 games and the
1: 2017 games. of the I, I, I'm telling you, I know this for a fact. The, the 2018 game is on the field AML. All right? Tied at the start of the eighth inning. Oh, is it more than that? I don't know.
2: No, they are they are six and three.
1: Six and three, okay. So I thought I thought it must have noticed that I saw that.
2: And then in 2017, they were five and eight. Dang. That's extreme. So then this is what you're thinking of when they're undefeated is the Yankees win loss record tied at the start of the seventh inning in the last gotcha. two seasons. 2018, they're eight and zero. Oh. Got it. In 2017, they were seven and ten.
1: Not bueno, not
2: bueno. Bueno this year. Bueno this year.
0: Muy bueno this year.
2: Best record in one-run games this season. Yankees, 11-3, 78% win percentage. Brewers are the second best in baseball, 15-6, 71% winning percentage. So basically... This is something that I kind of talked about at the beginning of the year um, with just like my, my friends and stuff like that, and especially even now that we're moving towards trade deadline talk, which basically that's really the only thing that we really – in terms of things of substance and things that we really need to analyze with these Yankee teams in terms of what we need to do to get better, better as a ball club, the trade deadline talk and the starting pitching talk is really the only thing mm-hmm. of substance to really kind of talk on and grab onto okay. right now. Okay. But – Really, the difference between last year and this year was the, was the fact that the bullpen gave up leads late in the season last year, and specifically when the games were tied, they were giving up and they were blowing leads multiple games against the Astros, Rafael Devers going lefty lefty crime oh, against yeah, the roll. Don't,
1: don't Rafael Devers please.
2: Rockfield Devers is stinking. Uh, it up.
1: I, I was like, this guy is not going to home run chopping. No way. And he hits home. I'm like, come on.
2: <sighs> but, I mean, he's stinking it up this year. And, you know, people thought that last year that he was going to be the next. People thought that he was going to be the next A Rod, whatever, whatever, whatever. And turns out that Miguel Andujar is like 25 times better than he is. And I'm laughing at Red Sox fans right now. But anyway, that happened last year. And these losses that they just had huge impacts. On the season, especially when you finish two games behind the Red Sox in the division last year, you can really point – the bullpen had pointable, tangible moments of really losing control in a year that they really weren't supposed to lose that control and lose that momentum. And that's been the difference this year is that the bullpen – I mean, especially this past week, the bullpen has been absolutely on fire. They're on a 15 – now this was as of before today, not counting not counting today's game against the Mets Sunday night Sunday night's game against the Mets, fifteen and a third innings of the bullpen, where they have not allowed a run.
1: That's the bullpen. I mean, I'm happy the bullpen is coming back strong. We needed to. I mean, especially
2: when you think of besides Severino, not weak, definitely not weak by any stretch of the imagination, but. Maybe not even counting this week, but overall, I would say the starting pitching in a way has kind of let us down between Jordan Montgomery going down with Tommy John surgery and looking and trying to search for a fifth starter, Domingo Herman being hot and cold, but having str- struggles in the first few innings of games and then picking it up towards the end, not having that consistent fifth starter. CC going through whatever he whatever he was going through between those stretches of starts that I told everybody in the first episode of this first episode of this podcast last week I said ignore CC's bad games and what did he do he came out and he threw seven shutout innings and I loved it or not seven shutout innings excuse me but he came out and he threw seven solid innings for the Yankees la- the, this past week but overall besides Severino I would say starting pitching has been somewhat lackluster and the fact that we're talking so much about how we need a fifth starter, the bullpen really saves you in that regard when you have the consistent outings from the bullpen, especially with this offense.
1: Right, and, and especially when you get good starters too as well. Like we've been getting Sotomayor pitching amazingly this year. Gantanaku has been better of late before the injury happened, and with the offense, the offense has been cold for the last like ten games or so against starting pitching. So that's a little bit of concern for my liking.
2: Yeah, eight out of our last nine wins—I believe that's the number. Eight out of our last nine wins have been come from behind wins, and it's not good. It's—it's it's not that it's not good because the 2009 team. I would honestly like to see the comparisons between come behind victories and the stats behind the come behind victories in 2009 versus 2018, because if you have a—I t- mean, honestly—if you have a team that like never quits and has this never die mentality just like the yankees do i would honestly rather have that because you're going to need that in the postseason i would honestly rather have this kind of mentality compared to a team that just jumps out to a five nothing lead and jumps on good teams bad teams doesn't matter what the record is i would rather have a team that fights through nine innings rather than a team that's used to just getting comfortable with their leads early in the game and then just kind of just putting it away.
1: Right. A win's a, win. a win's
2: a win. A win is a win. But of course, it is concerning about the numbers of not hitting starting pitchers versus the numbers of hitting guys in the bullpen. And the fact that we're, we're basically banking on every single game, we're banking on the Yankees getting the starting pitchers out of the game And then once the bullpen comes into the game for the opposing team, it's kind of just like Yankee fans are like, oh, it's over. But not the best of mentality to have. (laughs) That's this team. For some reason, they can't hit starting pitchers consistently. Whatever. Whatever. They're winning. They're winning games. Um, So basically going back, and then this tweet's from John Boy. Um, He tweeted today. The Red Sox just lost the series to the 22-41 and 41 White Sox at home. Yanks last 15 series. In the last 15 series, we've only lost one of those series, and that was against the Texas Rangers, which in my book, and we talked about this last week, in my book, that was a fluke series. Mm. The ball was flying everywhere. You know, we – 14 out of our last 15 series, including this series against the Mets, took the Subway series at least two out of the three games. I think by the time that maybe we're still recording this podcast, we'll find out the end result of the Met game, and then we can react to that live. Basically, why I'm reading these stats, why I'm comparing this team to last year's team is just to say, once again, the Yankees are fun.
1: Yankees are fun. I've been saying since, since the beginning of the season, this team is capable of having an all 4 type offense. Now with some good pitching, they could be as good as the 98 team was. And that's a very special team.
2: All right, so we talked about how fun the Yankees are. Again, going to repeat that till I'm blue in the face. It's true. It's fact. It's fun. And I like that.
1: And I like that.
2: But we'll get to some bad news. Um, Jordan Montgomery, beginning of the week announced that he's going to get Tommy John surgery. So he's out for the year. Apparently, I wasn't really in the loop with this, but apparently this was really a kind of like expected thing to happen. A lot of people expected it. You know, when you typically hear, I guess now, when you typically hear elbow inflammation and they put somebody on the 10-day DL or they expect him to be back in six to eight weeks, I guess that does actually doesn't mean that they should be back in six to eight weeks. What they basically, I guess what they do and they're doing this with Shohei Ohtani right now, which I, no matter how much we hate Shohei Ohtani on this podcast, we do feel bad for what he's going through, but they reevaluate you. You get hurt. The diagnosis is elbow inflammation. And then in 30 days they reevaluate you. And I guess they, they reevaluated Jordan Montgomery and basically the, Diagnosis is we won't be seeing him until the middle of next
0: year, if not the beginning of 2020. I think with Jordan Montgomery, I don't think he was getting reevaluated. I think he was feeling fine and then he went to go throw. He was throwing around, you know, a couple, you know, practicing, doing whatever. Then he started. F- Beard in the elbow, and then he flew back. It was a road, road game this uh, past couple weeks. and got tests done, and then that's when the, he decided that he needed Tommy John surgery.
1: I mean, I'm hopefully he can come back by next year. We really need his – he's a very, very good pitcher. It's something I had him this year, but it, it's it makes the need for a starter that much greater, especially we head to the trade deadline. I think the Yankees need one pitcher, maybe even two starting pitchers to go into the postseason with. Wow. You think two? I must say maybe two. I've so, been saying this since the beginning of the year. The Yankees need depth in pitching. As we can see now by the injuries, I think it would have been crucial if we had at least one or two guys, at least like low-end guys stashing the minors or in the long, long release in the bullpen just in case.
2: So another piece of news for this week, Masahiro Tanaka attempts to run 90 feet from third base to home plate. He doesn't know how to do that. Apparently, pulls not one, but both. But two hamstrings, running ninety feet because pitchers don't know how to run.
1: They don't and know. No, how to no, do no, it. no. It's not because pitchers don't run. It's Because the National League is awful. Okay national league should have a designated hitter because pitchers should not be able to hit oh yeah strategy give me strategy no 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 strategy nonsense the strict to baseball no no double switch uh pitches bunning nonsense no no double switch
0: no please i agree the national league is uh stupid
1: I hate interleague play and now we we lost shimming wong in 07 and now Mazia Tanaka because of the same play
2: now, the thing that I don't understand, talking to Met fans, their pitchers are constantly hurt. And a lot of it has to do with the fact of the strain of batting. Right. Why hmm. are they? Now, I'm not saying that all Met fans are like this, but guys wake up in the morning and they need Tommy John. Guys are waking up in the morning and they tear their obliques over in Queens. Why are people such advocates for batting pitchers? I, I don't understand
1: it. It, it. It's mind-boggling to me. It's absolutely mind-boggling to me.
0: Yep, you
2: know, Especially since the way that baseball is headed today, where pitchers are so valuable, pitchers from the moment that they pick up a ball to the moment that a manager comes out, they give him the two fingers on the wrist, and they point to the bullpen, they are going 120%. They are giving it all that they have. They're giving it all that they got. This ain't something has happened with the, with the, within the last 10 years or so where you're pitching in a showcase when you're in high school. You're lightening up at 95 miles an hour, 98 miles an hour, or whatever, whatever, whatever. When you sign to a major league ball club, that's what they're expecting out of you from day one, pitch one. And if you don't show that, sorry, you can go home and we'll find somebody else who's going who's gonna to give us 98 miles an hour every single pitch, every single time. That's what Major League Baseball is headed to. And that is not a natural thing for human beings to do. Right. to pitch a baseball overhand 98, 95, 95 is like slow. That's like average today. 98 plus miles an hour, and to do that year round 100 100 plus times. That's not counting the warm up throws in the bullpen, that's not counting the throws, the warm up throws that you take in between innings, that's not counting the bullpen throws that you take during the week before your games and the bullpen sessions that you take during the week.
1: It's not natural. It's not natural. I don't want to go off on a tangent on this, but like the national league sucks. I'm sorry. I, I, just, I just hate the rules. I, it's, no, it's not baseball. Yeah, so pitchers are batting
2: like less than 150 this year. Exactly.
1: And you're
2: going to argue that, you, you know, put a DH in there that's going to hit you 20-plus home runs a year. And, yeah, tell me that the National League and having pitchers bat is more exciting and it's better for the brand of baseball.
0: No, nah. it's not. It's, it's stupid.
2: Yeah, so for the Met fans that continue to defend this, go ahead, keep on ruining your superstar pitchers and by the way that you treat them in terms of medically, keep on ruining your superstar pitchers and then continue to complain how your, how your little brother or, to the New York Yankees, or,
1: or, keep on or, going. Or, or, or and we'll go back to trade talk, or they keep all the good players, not trade them, and then they could continue to suck anyway. So. All
2: right, so then this, this leads to trade talk. That was a great transition. Trade talk, Renato even after this week in hearing what Sandy Alderson said about Jacob DeGrom, right. Do you still think the
1: Yankees will get
2: him by July 31st?
1: I think if Allison of the trade, either DeGrom or go by the trade, that I think it'd be stupid.
2: No, I think they would be stupid too. This isn't a Mets podcast, but I'll give my two cents on the Mets. They have a saying on the Michael K show. And I guess this saying didn't start from there, but They have a saying, and I'm going to use it here. You can't be half pregnant. What the Mets continue to do every single year, and they fail at doing this, they buy, buy, buy during free agency. They don't even do that correctly, and they don't even spend money, but they prioritize players like Anthony Schwarzak, day one of free agency. Where is Anthony Schwarzak going? What's the market? What's the demand around Anthony Schwarzak, okay? They <laughs> sign him, they day. sign him day one of free agency, okay? But then they don't produce during the regular season. Therefore, if you don't produce during the regular season, the Astros blueprint, the Yankees blueprint of the way to do things, the Chicago Cubs blueprint of way to do things at the trade deadline is that you Acquire prospects at the deadline. They don't even do that. So, the saying you can't even be half pregnant, the Mets aren't even 1% pregnant because they don't do any of those things correctly. They attempt to buy with trying to get these veterans and trying to get these veterans to overproduce what their normal production or even (laughs) whatever average production they think that they're going to get out of them. Basically, the Mets are a mess. And Sandy Alderson came out and said this week that he really doesn't want Jacob deGrom to go, in, to go anywhere. I don't blame him when he says that, but... now I can't, can't
1: blame him, actually.
2: You, you can't be a team that wants to rebuild while also trying to
1: compete at the same time. It's, it's impossible. You can't. For the Mets to be successful, they need to get rid of the will bonds, Okay.
2: That's a that's a loaded loaded conversation that I do not know. I'm enough not going
1: about. with that conversation right now. I'm not going. But in terms of Jacob Degrom and Noah Syndergaard, if the Mets continue to play bad, and yes, they get, they just got a lucky win. I'm, I'm got a lucky one against the Yankees. But if the Mets continue to struggle at the the impressive the 11 on one start they had, then you got to trade both of them.
2: What's the market around Syndergaard right now? I, I, can't I, I think see. a little bit
1: less than the ground, but I think just an equal value, personally.
2: I think he, he would need... I mean, obviously, we're in June and July 31st, and, and baseball time is still an eternity away. So if he comes back and he starts to deal, you would you would think that at least Syndergaard would have to go. You At least. At least. Even though he is younger, which is because you know it's it's a it's truly a bizarre situation but as of right now Sandy Alderson has made no indication that Jacob DeGrom is on the trading block available via trade however i do think that could be a very good smoke screen because if if somebody comes out and says hey this guy is available his price just became lower because therefore you're saying oh we want to get rid of this guy as opposed to saying that, oh, we don't want to get rid of this guy. So then a team is going to come with you with a really good offer, hopefully, and have really good negotiations. And then, therefore, you basically are holding the cards in your hand as opposed to the other way around.
1: I I think in terms of the Yankees acquisitions at the deadline, your plan A, right, plan A, if the Mets are going to be stubborn, has to be either Cole Hamels or J. A. And I wasn't a big fan of the J. A. Happ movement, okay. But looking at the stats earlier today, I think he could fight with the Yankees as well. But I don't know how much Toronto will want to give him up in the deal. But I think if we could try to get a one A, that that'd be a deal. If we can't get a one A, at least get a three four starter to compete in the postseason.
2: Yeah, I was looking at Jay's taps. Uh, I I can never get the name right. J A J. I really, <laughs> I really don't. I really don't care. I don't care. Not on the Yankees right now. I don't care. J haps stats today, and he's thirty-five. Which fine, you know. If we're just if we're acquiring you for half a season, who cares? He's on the last year of his deal. Um, Yankees have the room. They have the salary cap room. Um, Thirteen million for twenty eighteen. He's on the last year of his deal, not a big deal, contract not an issue. He's 8-3 and three for the Blue Jays this year with a 3.71 ERA in 13 starts, 77 two-thirds innings pitched, 62 hits, 35 runs, 32 earned runs, 10 home runs, 22 walks, 90 Ks. He's averaging over a strikeout per inning pitched, which, hey, I'm a millennial. I'm on the boat of high strikeout rate pitchers. Even if you don't necessarily have a high high velocity rate, I like strikeouts. Strikeouts are fun. I like strikeouts. I get pumped up over strikeouts. So hey, give me a give me a one strikeout over one strikeout per inning. I get excited, and I'll tell you what this guy would not be. The asking price is not a Madison Bumgarner. It's not a Jacob Degrom. And the Blue Jays are also just so stupid that they probably would botch this trade anyway, and it'll it'll probably wind up being a Brian Cashman trade if Brian Cashman and the Yankees feel like they want to go after this guy. It'll probably be one that we look back on and be like, "Oh yeah, like we it, we got away with murder again."
1: Okay, Cashman steals trade all the time, so yeah. And the it's Blue Jays
2: and what? the Blue Jays basically need anything like besides Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, exactly. they, they need a lot of help so i i wouldn't mind um trading with them in the division i think i think really even the Tampa Bay Rays I'm like hesitant to want to trade did, with them why you say chris archer i i'm i would like chris Archer oh no. I would like chris we Archer
1: not but chris i but again I, is I i don't overrated. Wanna... he would not
2: survive in New york he's He's been on he's been on the DL. He's been hurt this year. So you gotta give him you gotta give him some no. slack there. No slack. But he in his last four starts, he's one and one with the 1.14 ERA.
1: Four starts is not enough sample size guy.
2: Well, in it, but I'm telling you, he's been hurt. This league is a what have you done for me lately league, right? No. Baseball more than oh no. <laughs> Baseball. Here's my take: Baseball, more than any other sport, is a "What have you done for me lately?" league. I
1: disagree. I disagree. I I, I don't think it's a, it's a no. Yeah, it's six two game season. It's how you start and how you finish.
2: But when you're talking trade deadline and when you're talking trade acquisitions, especially when you're talking about starting pitchers, you're not going to tra- Like, let's just say. The Giants are thinking about trading Madison Bumgarner. if Madison Bumgarner has pitched three gems in his last three starts and you're three games four games behind the wild card in the National League west you're not trading you're not trading Madison bumgarner
1: yeah you're not you're not trading Madison Bumgarner no no they're not even going to come close. Trinity Masterson,
2: no, but my overall point is, is, that this is a "What have you done for me lately?" type of league, especially when it comes to pitching. Maybe not hitting, maybe not hitting, but especially pitching and starting pitching. That's that. That's my take.
1: Booker, what do you think?
0: I'm leaning more towards Justin on though. What have you done for me? Oh my goodness. I, I just see it that way. I mean, like he said, especially with like pitching.
1: I just if we if the Yankees could get an ace like the Gram, like a Bumgarner, I think they'll be locks to win the World Series.
0: Locks, guarantees. I'm not. I'm not saying that I wouldn't want a starting pitcher. I I'm all for the starting pitcher. The Yankees right now are in desperate need of a starting pitcher.
1: Desperate, no, no.
0: Desperate with a capital D. Uh, how about how about desperate with a capital all all caps desperate? How about that?
1: That desperate
0: yes. Okay, okay. For one, I would like to see Jacob Degrom in a Yankee uniform. I do not think the, the, the Mets are just stubborn. All right, in all, in all reality, okay, let's let's all be real. They don't want to trade with the Yankees. I think I. I f- forgot what the stat was, but I there was only like one a few times that the Mets have even thought of trading with the Yankees and have actually pulled through with the trade that they traded with the Yankees. They're just stubborn. They don't wanna they don't want to give, they don't want to receive, they don't want to do anything. They don't move. So if the Yankees were to offer them a they were the send a great a fair deal for Jacob DeGrom they would say no because they want to they want to overkill the deal. They want more than what they should get. All right, for not just DeGrom but for anybody because that's what they want. They want to be how do I put this? Um they either want to rob the Yankees and get away with murder
2: Yankee. or they don't even want to trade with them at all.
0: Exactly. Well, exactly. I think that's a Good way to put that, Justin. They want to they want to hurt the Yankees as bad as possible or not trade with them whatsoever. They want to get what they want, and they don't want to hear anything else. It's what they want, not this is a business, let's work something out. It's what I want, and what I want is what I want. I don't want anything else. Agree or disagree, Renato?
1: I, I, I'm going to agree on this, and my question to you guys now, I'm going to throw this back to you guys. Who would you like to have on the Yankees realistically? What I would like at the
2: trade deadline especially with the news this week of Araldus Chapman with left knee, with, I don't know if it's, I, th- I don't know if it's left knee. I think it's but, left knee. But yeah. this left knee tendinitis. I would possibly like a
1: long reliever. In a long relief, but we have, we have A.J. Cole. We have Cole's cousin. We got, we got Jonathan Holder. We got Adam Warren. We Got guys in the minor leagues. Why do we need a longer leader in the trade? It's mind boggling.
2: You don't have to give up as much because you need, let's just face it, you need something at the
1: minor league guys from anywhere. You don't know,
2: no, no. Who, is re- who is ready in the minor leagues to come up right now? Anybody, anybody,
0: anybody. anybody. I,
2: I need a name, <laughs> lasagna.
1: The Johnny Johnny Lasagna. Okay, let's. <laughs> Johnny Lasagna. All right. So basically, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Also, you got David Hale has some experiences here with the team already. David so, Hale
2: in our minor league system. David Hale does have the most major league experience out of out of any pitcher in our minor league system right now. So Johnny. So basically, Johnny Lasagna and David Hale's numbers are not Johnny Lasagna is twenty three. David Hale's thirty. Um, they're not. Mind-boggling. They're not over the top. If anything, and also if anything, it's spot start worthy.
1: Can can I argue this case here? Argue it. If the Yankees had depth in starting pitching, Domingo Mano would still be as a long reliever the pen like he was before the trade the, the injuries
0: happened. I was just gonna say, if the Yankees had the starting pitching, no injuries whatsoever. Domingo- and they had, you know, a, another good starting pitcher, Domingo Herman would be in that bullpen because he's he's a great long reliever. Yes. You could you could put him in and you could expect uh more than two innings from him, let's put right. it that way. There you go, Justin. So
1: no need to trade for a long reliever.
0: This is a starting pitch. I do I do think I'm kind of torn between the two. I I I, I really want a starting pitcher. Would it you no know, would, would it kill not. me? Would it kill me if we got a long reliever? No. I'm on the starting pitcher side, but oh. a long reliever would help.
1: But we have long relievers everywhere. We do not need to trade for a long reliever. We but if you, need starting pitching straight so easy at time
2: but if you want to be over the top you need to start pitching but here's the here is how baseball is moving okay one of the debates and this is and I think we're ultimately going to find out the answer to this question this year this post season based off of especially Who's going to win out of the American League? And I definitely do think whoever wins the American League is going to go on to win the World Series. I think, that's, I think that's a given fact. I don't watch much National League Baseball, but I think that's a definite fact because there's not a ton of great teams in the National League. But seven games to seven games, we'll get there when we get there. But what's, what's, what's the biggest pull? What's the biggest, most important part of a baseball team? Is it your starting pitching, your high K per nine rate starting pitchers, cough, cough the Houston Astros? Or is it your high K, K per nine, home run per nine hitters on the New York Yankees with the high K per nine, high rev rate, high velocity bullpen that the Yankees have? Which is better, starting pitching or the bats in the lineup? with the strikeouts both in the bullpen
1: and in the lineup? I think it's an easy answer, actually. What do you think? Uh, we, we all saw this last year in the ALCS. Who, who won at the end of the day? The Astros. And what do they have?
2: High K per nine starters.
1: And what happened to the, the Astros on they face, the, uh, the, the Yankees? What happened?
0: We were one win away from the World Series.
1: And, and what happened to the game six and seven?
0: Starting pitching kills.
1: Exactly. So at but, the end of the day, at the end of the day, you you need starting pitching to win a World Series. But let but, but, but let me ask you something.
2: But let me ask you something. What did the Astros have to do to win the World Series? Pitching. But what what did they have to do in the World Series last year? They hit. Well, no, not just that. What did what kind of pitching changes did they make in the middle of the games during the World Series? Do you know the answer to this poker? The relievers. What kind of relievers? Starting relievers. Charlie Morton came in at multiple points. I can't, I don't, don't, and Clayton Kershaw did it too. You, Darvish, pitched. I think the Dodgers should have won. You, Darvish, came in, sucked. They sucked. But Clayton Kershaw kept him in that game. He's the guy that came in Game Seven, and he awesome.
1: kept him in the game.
0: I'm gonna it in his back. Game Seven. Back, back, back to the uh, bullpen. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go out and a little bit here. I'm, a, but with this Yankee lineup being so dominant, like almost like a Murder's Row 2.0. I mean, yeah, some people right now. Greg Bird, Gary Sanchez, they're not batting all that well but when they pick it up and everybody's clicking on the offense and you have a starting starting pitching that is going up against this team and you get out that starting that starting pitcher, you know, throws however many well, let's say he throws 5 6 innings, all right, and we're still we're, we're down in the game. Like Justin said before, how most Yankee fans are feeling right now is get to the opposing team's bullpen, and the game's over from there. That's what Justin said before. Now, if we look at it as Yankee fans, we already have the the bullpen. We have the offense. We just don't have the starting pitching. I see the need for one starting pitcher, and like I said before, it wouldn't help to get – the other long reliever in there to make the bullpen more dominant than what it is right now. Cause <laughs> let, let, let's face it. These guys are not machines. they there's going to be injuries. And when injuries happen, you're going to need what, what, what do you want to call it? like a backup, a, you know, a safety net, whatever you want to call it. You're going to need something that's there when an injury happens to say, okay, no worries. This is my go-to guy. This is, what we're getting at. This is next man up.
1: If you want to believe there, fine. But I want more a, uh, a shutdown believer, you know, like another closer.
2: I just think that, Oh, you, Oh, you would
1: want a closer. Yeah. If I don't we're, think, gonna, if we're going to believe
2: that. I might as well get another closer. I don't think there's room for that. That's the thing. I really Why? don't think that there's room for that in, in this bullpen that we have right now. Why not? Why not? I, if Chapman goes down for a month, Or if Chapman pitches for another month on this knee, and then we find out that he's done, then yes, we need a closer.
1: How about this? How about this? How about we go with an ace and a closer? We we just win the whole thing right there and then. I now, I'm I'm kind of
2: in. You're you're definitely more of a prospect hugger, and that's why I'm very surprised that I'm hearing you.
1: I will argue my piece on that too.
2: I. I'm surprised that I'm hearing you wanting Degrom, wanting Baumgartner, wanting an ace when the when I really think that I really think that you are underestimating the asking price for these guys. What they're what they are and what they're going to be because the starting price is going I'm to be Gleyber, the starting price is going to be Glaber Torres.
1: Well, they're bugging. <laughs> And Can't then, say right, to so, so
2: Torres is the untouchable, then the next guy up that teams are going to be asking for is Miguel Andujar.
1: Yeah, I, and I'll get them up. I got no problem with that.
2: So then I really think those guys are not going to happen because, and then besides those two guys, besides DeGrom and besides Bumgarner, the market for starting pitchers and the market for a quote unquote, ace pitcher ace. is very, very thin. So, Forward, so forward-thinking Justin Penick, forward-thinking millennial baseball fan, looking at the way not regular season baseball works because the way regular season baseball works, it is that's one thing I learned last year from watching postseason baseball. You throw everything out the window; it goes in the garbage. Goodbye. Nope. See, see ya.
1: Disagree.
2: I because you get starting pitchers. If you can get th- the way that baseball is going, if you get three innings out of a starting pitcher in the postseason with maybe one runs, I don't care if you have ninety five pitches after three innings. If you allow one run, I'll take it. Because you want to know what we're in the game. We have a bullpen that can get us to nine innings. We have a bullpen that can take it from there and shut it down. Hey, it's we got a so we, we, gotta, we got we got a day off tomorrow. I'm dry. I am letting my I am drying up my bullpen everyone's pitching, and we're winning the game because we're not going to allow another run.
1: I need a timeout here. So I you me That if there was game one of, of the, the ALDS, ALCS, you're letting your bullpen go six innings?
2: If I had to, oh, yes.
1: On, that's a joke. It's game one. I would say if you go more towards elimination-style games, then yeah, I can see using five, six things out of the bullpen. All
2: right, maybe, maybe not game one, but –
1: the Yankees have
2: six guys that they can point to that says, you pitch an inning, you pitch an inning, you pitch an inning. Right. But so it's, it's, not, it's not like we're asking anybody to go three innings here, but if we have the long reliever that can take that, that makes it easier.
1: But here's the thing. You point out the, for what happened last year in the postseason, right? Right. With, with Kershaw and Morton, Right. Remember, these guys are starting pitchers who can't pitch a game set because they p- they're have they going to be on two days rest or three days rest or even one day rest they pitch in this game. They're still starting pitchers. So you got to keep in mind that, yes, you're going to have a surplus of starters that might be going into the bullpen for game six or game seven style of elimination. But you need to get the game six or game seven first for the starting pitching. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong here. I, I can see that
2: too. I'm just, I'm trying to be real with the market that we have oh, in front of too. us. Me too. And the, fa- and the fact that DeGrom and Mad Madbom, as of right now, as of June 10th, Mad Bomb and DeGrom are more likely than not, not going anywhere. And I'm trying to be forward thinking in terms of what to look for or what to want as a Yankee fan. I agree. At the agree. deadline. That's what that's, that's all that I'm trying to do.
1: I agree. If you're a Yankee fan, Right, your are uh, probably starting pitcher to get the deadline, like I said, would be a Cole Hamels. would be a J.A. Hop. could be a, someone like a Tyson Ross, which I think the Yankees might actually they've been looking at him for a while they might try to get him. But do you
2: year. but do you really feel comfortable with, like like really in in a in a realistic world you have four pitchers in the postseason, right right right, Louis Severino, right, Sonny Gray. Masahiro Tanaka, CC Sabathia. Ah, uh, Sunny, I hate so that. So are you are so are you willing to because as of right now, Sonny Gray, especially for what we gave up for Sonny Gray at the trade deadline last year, and the fact that he's had more good starts than bad starts this year, especially after this past week, especially after last week's episode where we were still kind of unsure on him.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now that he's had more good starts than bad starts as of June 10th. He's pitching in the postseason. Do you really want to acquire a guy at the trade deadline that you're only going to use in the regular season?
1: I, here's my thinking on that. I think if we do get another starter, Justin, I think Sonicway goes to the bullpen for playoffs.
2: That's also an interesting thought. I,
1: I, I'm i thinking what, what the straight line thinking of the Yankees here, right? You want to have depth, okay? Look what happened with the tackle of Montgomery. We don't have depth right now. We're running on fumes with starters right now. Okay, it, God forbid this happened in the postseason. Who, who's going to step up? Lasagna for the playoff game?
2: No, Johnny Lasagna at 23 years old in Double A baseball will not be stepping up to the major league, <laughs> oh. league Bowl club in October.
0: I so, Johnny Lasagna, I, I, I love that. I love that.
2: We don't know how to pronounce his last name. That's why, if if anybody, if anybody who's listening to this, if anybody. If they can send me the per, the correct – this is very easy to look up, by the way. Um, if anybody can do this for me and do this for us as a podcast because we're very confused, that, that would be greatly appreciated.
1: So Johnny
0: Lasagna. <laughs> we,
1: we, we, we need depth, okay? It should have happened before the season started, by the last didn't. If I'm the Yankees, I do not have faith in that four-man right now. I, I do not have faith in Sonny Gray as of today – he didn't do well in the postseason. I don't. Yeah, even Cece Sabathia, I, I'm 50-50 on right now.
2: Oh, don't do that to my man Cece. I,
1: I'm. So, I'm so, I love Cece, enough, But it's a numbers game, okay? Cece's had some good starts and has some really, really ugly starts.
2: You know. I told you to ignore those
1: starts. I know you did, but again, again, even Tanaka. Tanaka could be a home almost every game. The guy has almost a five-year race still. You know, Not in the postseason last year. You no, know, I, 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 understand. That. I understand that. But as a general manager, you need to have your assets ready to go for battle. You need to have a hundred ten percent of your team ready to go. Okay, your offense is up and down offense. You need your starting pitching to be there to match up against a Verlander, against a uh, a Cole, against a Keiko, against like. Houston would beat us right now if they came to seven-game series because of the rotation alone.
2: No, you're absolutely right. And again, the argument of high K per nine guys because also what happens? What happens when you throw when you when you have a lot of strikeouts? What happens? You throw a lot of pitches.
0: Pitch count goes up. Pitch count no. goes up.
2: Not in the case of Verlander, but <laughs> not bull, well, not Ver. I, I, that that scares the crap out of me. Um, having to having to possibly face Verlander and possibly another elimination game that scares the crap out of me. Uh, but, but we're not I, there yet. We're I, not there yet.
1: I do agree with you on that, and that's why the we Yankees were able in the last couple of series, at least against the Astros. And now this one against the Mets to get after the bullpen and win the games that way, which is a very good strategy to have. But the games the Yankees lose are games that the starters go deep in the game because the Yankees are either swinging early, swinging out a lot of bad pitches. So you need to have that. You need to have that to beat the best. And if I'm a Yankee fan, you're one ace away from arguably going to the World
0: Series easily, hands down.
2: All right. So we're gonna move on. I think. I think we.
0: I think we completed our argument conversation should be brought up b- right before the trade deadline yeah. when everything is going to start falling into place not bring it up briefly here and there but i think it'll be best to have it done around july by the trade that de- before the trade deadline
2: yeah the thing is but this yankee team right now
0: uh, you know so can- good right
2: now that you can start talking about this stuff yeah. It, th- th- it they're so good right now and things are going so well that this is you know we have to talk about July 31st when it's June 10th yeah which is it, it's a good thing um but what I do want to talk about um Renata you brought up Tanaka and how you're kind of iffy on Tanaka so Tanaka was put on the 10 day DL um for running 90 feet as we mentioned before
0: we all know that 10 DL is 10 day DL is going to turn into like a 30 30- 30-day DL, so just throwing that out there.
2: So there is a possibility that he's going to miss a month. And, Renato, you know that there's a theory out there with Tanaka that because he has this partially torn ligament in his elbow, that during the regular season, and you saw this especially last year during the regular season, and then this totally changed in the postseason, and we're seeing it a little bit this regular season, he's not pitching as hard. The velocity's down. Right, I the: The movement, especially last year, was down. The RPMs on the pitches are down. There is a theory that he intentionally saves himself, much like the way league baseball was played in the eighties, in the nineties, seventies, and before then. Much like the way baseball was played back then, where people saved their stuff so they can go. X amount of 140 pitches, which is unfathomable, unfathomable today, going 140 pitches and pitching a complete game when you've allowed four runs and you've had how many runners on base and a lot of lot to do and only striking out two guys or three guys because that's just the way that the game was played. So there's this argument and there's this theory that Tanaka saves, intentionally saves his stuff for the sake of the arm. So... Missing 30 days may not be the worst thing for Masahiro Tanaka.
1: I can't be honest with you. I don't think it is at all. It's poorly timed because of what happens offensively to get her like that. But if the Yankees keep playing the way they're playing, we'll be okay. But my concern is, again, we're going back to my concern with the depth of starting pitching. It's, it's a big concern now.
2: Yeah. God forbid we lose CC next. Exactly. This is because this is the around the time of the year where he usually makes his 30 day trip to the DL. God yeah. forbid we lose CC, then you're you're not just talking about
1: oh <laughs> we vacation <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're
2: not we're not just talking about um oh we're we're just gonna sit here and wait you know a couple weeks to really start really getting into this trade deadline talk. You are talking about we need to get on the phone right now. With, in my opinion, the Toronto Blue Jays and get J hap over here, like really that that's that's really where we would where we would be. Like, that I, be
1: I don't think Cashman does it. <laughs> you think I think Cashman waits at the trade
0: deadline. I'm gonna disagree with that because right now, especially and if, especially if CC or anybody goes down, uh, starting pitching wise, this American. League East division right now is so close with the Yankees and Red Sox. If another starting pitcher were to go down and we are only to rely on Severino and the Red Sox start pulling ahead, pulling ahead, pulling ahead, it's going to get too far for us to reach potentially. And we're going to wind up st- stuck in the wild card in the postseason playing one game elimination. And we don't, we, you don't want that. We don't want that. Nobody. So I tend to believe what, what Justin said, that if you were to lose another starting pitcher, it's a case where you need to get on the phone now, make a move, not at the trade deadline. You need that starting pitcher to come over here now and help this team out.
2: Kind of touched on Chapman. I'm concerned about Chapman. The Yankees aren't concerned about Chapman. Concerned. Um, but we can, this space, the, the news of Chapman's tendinitis in his knee basically broke Friday night. When he mentioned it to the media and and how he's been dealing it with with it for like three weeks now, I'm gonna watch him pitch for basically you know this past this next week and you know the past three weeks, and we we mentioned last week on the podcast that this is the best that he's looked in his entire career, and if he's been pitching on it, and that statement hasn't changed since last week, so if he's pitching the best that he's ever pitched in his entire career, and he has tendonitis in his left knee. Power to you, all this. I just want you to stay here for as long as possible, and I don't want you to get hurt. So I think maybe we'll, we'll revisit that next week, and if we even forget that that's even a thing and that's even a thing that he's dealing with it, great. But hopefully it's not a thing that we need to bring up and talk about again because hopefully, according to Aaron Boone and according to Cashman, he's getting what he needs to get done in terms of treatment. And maybe if the Yankees, I don't know, this is an idea. If the Yankees can start winning some games by like five runs or six runs like they can and like they have the potential to do, then maybe we won't need Chapman two out of every four days, three out of every five days and whatnot.
1: I agree. All
2: right. There's also, um, we're going we're gonna to wrap this up shortly. There's also an apology that needs to be put in order. <laughs> to Glibber, <clears throat> Glaber Torres. From myself, and then from the both of us to Miguel Andujar, you can do it. We already did mention this last week. We didn't apologize to Miguel Andujar, but we mentioned, but Boker and I mentioned this last week that we were when Greg Bird came back, we were calling for Miguel Andujar to be sent down for maybe a few weeks and whatnot. Well, he has been the best Yankee hitter in the lineup for the past couple weeks, for the past two weeks especially. Hit a grand slam against Oh No in Toronto. John Boy on Twitter, or I don't know, it was on Twitter, it was a podcast, and I was of the opinion too until I heard this on Talking Yanks. When Miguel Andujar hit that grand slam, and if you haven't seen it, look at it. It's so satisfying to look at because again, he has one of those swings, is one of those swooping swings that stays in the strike zone for so, so long. And it's so beautiful as a righty. It looks like Oh, the... Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, throws an off-speed pitch when in fact it was a fastball. It was a fastball, a meatball fastball that just sat in the middle of the plate and Andrew Hart just lifted it to the second deck. So he had a grand slam. Um, he had a couple hits tonight against the Mets and the loss. He had two hits where he just basically just put the bat up the middle, put the ball up the middle. Um, two really nice-looking hits. He had a hit on Friday night against the Mets So basically, even when the young guys aren't hitting awesome home runs, they're getting on base and they're being a part. They're they're producing runs and they're being a part of these late game, late inning rallies. That's leading the Yankees to win baseball games. So my apologies
0: to Miguel Andujar for not believing you as much. Miguel Andujar also hit. Go ahead two-run home run in last night's game against the Mets to tie the game 3-3 before Judge, you know, hit the home run in the eighth inning to seal the deal. So I would also like to apologize to Miguel Andor for being a little hard on him, calling for him to get sent down to AAA.
2: And I was very, very hard. And also um, props to Renato for, for calling for Tyler Austin's head a couple
0: weeks ago. Hmm, I wonder who's right on that one. Hmm. I yeah, props to Renato. You know, Good job, Renato. Usually uh I'm the one that's always right, but Bokers time, usually right
2: all the time. Yes. No, 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 I'm
0: right. Not 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 this time. Uh a little embarrassed about that, but <laughs>
2: and I was insanely hard on Gleyber Torres like last episode. Like even though I felt like in our in our grades, like I gave him a B+, I felt like I tore him apart. I apologize to to Gliber. Gliber's Probably our sec behind Brett Gardner. Um, Gliber's probably you know, our you know, he's probably up there with Andrew Har as our third best hitter on the team right now. He's been getting on base, you know. It's it's so it's so amazing how much production we're getting out of him in the nine hole. Like, obviously, I think if he was on any other major league team, he's not batting nine hole, he's batting like four, four or five or like three, four or number two. Because he's putting up top of the line of production, especially with the power numbers. It's and it's also crazy how he basically missed almost what, like the first couple weeks of the season. And he's up there with Judge and he's up there with Stanton. And I think he actually does have more home runs than Gary, which is sorry, which is sorry, Gary, you got to pick it up, man. I, I will defend you until you're still the best hitting catcher in the league. And even though you haven't hit a ball in a couple weeks, you still have the best numbers in the league in terms of, you know in terms of your overall production of being a, a hitting catcher, but you got to pick it up, man. I'm sick and tired. Um, love you, Gary. But I was very hard on Glibber. I apologize to Gleber Torres. Somebody told me, and this was a Met fan. Somebody told me, I'm glad you could see past uh Torres' the defense, and I'm glad you identified that on the pod. I'm like, all right, well, that's how you know that I was too hard on him when you had a Mets fan complimenting me over how hard I am on an amazing twenty-one-year-old who will hopefully be in the Bronx for the next twenty years.
1: Glibbergood, Glibbergood hashtag. So, Subway
2: Series, it's officially over now. We take two out of three against the New York Metropolitans.
1: I got something to say about that,
2: and you have something to say.
1: I, I, I'm, I'm very disappointed in the offense in this series. Like, I am highly disappointed in the offense. They oh, were very is, anemic. And the Mets were in you know, the worst offensively, the Mets would have swept us. And this
2: is the this is the down part. This is the consequence. This is the negative part of having this mentality of oh, we're just gonna come back once we get the starter
1: out of the game, or well, the, you the you can't play that every single game, you right? You need to start off with leads. You need to lead during the game. Have your pitching, shut them down, and have your bump come in. Case closed. Good night. See you later.
0: You need damage against a starting pitcher. You need to do damage against opposing teams bullpen. You need to do it all around because when you get an early lead and you maintain or you get a big lead and you maintain that lead, it also puts less pressure on our bullpen and it gives people like Chapman who's dealing with his tendinitis uh, another rest day potentially where you don't need him to come in when he's battling with tendonitis, and I'm interested to see how we do against Washington. Yeah, that's going to be
2: interesting. Yeah. Um, so Strasburg's start was moved.
1: No, Strasburg's on the DL, guy.
2: Yeah, he's. on or, DL. well, that yeah.
1: All right, well that, like. All right, so
2: Strasburg is on the DL.
1: Right.
2: I was kind of excited to face him, but it is going to be interesting, to, especially to see how our pitchers are going to pitch against uh, a
0: dangerous Nationals lineup. Dangerous. It's also going to be interesting to see how Sonny Gray will is going to be pitching at home because yeah. Sonny Gray has been great on the road, terrible, terrible at home. But this past week he went eight innings. Yeah. Eight innings, only managed two hits. So maybe he's coming out of his uh you know, slump, whatever you want to call it. So it's going to be interesting to see if this continues. If this good pitching continues at home, where he's not been the best. So, an off day tomorrow.
1: Boo,
2: boo, boo! But we do need the off day. Uh, you, you, you take the off days when you can get them. Two games against the Nationals, your favorite. Three bleeding blue hosts will be at the game on Wednesday. All right. We will be watching Sonny Gray have his best home start of the year.
0: Oh, I, we well, I like that, Colin.
2: And our last 10 games, we're eight and two. No matter how much we complain, no matter how much we say that, hey, we need this, this baseball team is fun. And it's crazy how fun this baseball team is when you, when you look up and down the lineup, and when you look up and down the start, the pitching rotation, and you say, hey, This guy's struggling a little bit, or hey, this guy's not really doing too well. It's actually crazy when you go up and down, you're like, oh my God, like this team is winning. They've won 14 out of their last 15 series, and they're outplaying the Red Sox right now in terms of just overall play, in my opinion, but you have so many guys that are struggling, and that um, that just gets me excited for what, you know really, what could be, especially when this team can get better with some acquisitions and with Tanaka getting healthy and Stanton, I'll tell you what, and when Stanton starts to heat up a little bit, I will tell you John Carlo, I'm not calling him. I will not be calling him Mike this episode. Oh no Mike, no Mike. he he earned John Carlo against his series with the Mets, he had some hard hit balls, he had some really good at bats,
1: you missed the whole month that's okay he what was that? Even though you missed a home run
2: but it's okay. Yeah, I was I was I was at the game on Friday night and I knew that, you know, it, they had the lead going into the ninth inning. It was the top of the ninth inning and I'm like there's no need I had to go I wanted to see Chapman. I wanted to see Chapman. I love watching Chapman and of course I missed John Carlos Stanton hitting a home run. Um So he hit home run, he earns the title his he earns to be called his name, John Carlo. <laughs> he, he earns the right to be name. called his name. So he's heating up. He's had some really good at bats. Excited to see what he's going to do. It's just an exciting time. So okay. before we wrap up, anybody else want to say anything?
0: No, go Yankees. Renal. Um,
1: I'm I'm hoping for another good week for the Yankees. Hopefully, by the time we come back next week, we will be talking about the Yankees getting to 700 ball. Hopefully, i will be nice.
2: And I, I don't know, but I don't know about you guys. But this this could be a thing that we do. This could be a thing that we don't do. But it's all it's also kind of depending on what the people want. Again, follow me on Twitter. Create the SoundCloud account. Let me know what you think of the podcast. Because if if you guys are down to do this twice a week, because it's so much to talk about, it's so much to try to fit into an hour, which we are over an hour once again. Sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> but if down to do this twice a week, I would be down to do that, even if we do it in the middle of a series. I know a lot of Yankees podcasts, they, they record directly after a series. We're still brand new. We're still – everybody's got their schedules and whatnot. We have a small following. But if you guys – and if everybody, you guys and gals that are listening to this want to hear twice a week, let us know, and we'll, we'll try to fit that in. Go, Yankees. Have a week full – of attending Yankee games, which is exciting. We're back at home. Hey, we play pretty well on the road too, but there's nothing like playing in the Bronx. Hit some home runs, start scoring some runs again. Go Yankees, fun, baseball, and podcast. Boom. (laughs) Boom.